ears are not deceiving you. That is the theme for Wrestling With Theology. We are back after a brief hiatus as I got my life kind of straightened out. And we're coming back with Apostolic Fathers this week. First Clement, uh, starting in chapter 9. Chapters 9 through 12 parallel Hebrews chapter 11 as a review of the great saints of the Old Testament. This section has led some scholars to believe that Clement of Rome may have written the Epistle to the Hebrews. So let's look at these chapters as we see this. Now chapter 9. Therefore we obeyed his magnificent and glorious will, and presenting ourselves as supplicants of his mercy and goodness, and we return upon his compassions, leaving behind the useless toil and the strife and the way that leads to death. Let us fix our eyes on those who ministered perfectly in his excellent glory. Let us take Enoch. In obedient righteousness he was translated. Death did not find him. Through his ministry, faithful Noah preached regeneration to the world. The master through him saved the living creatures who entered the ark in concord. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, that's the first couple of verses of Hebrews 12, but it gets us right into this part as we look to Enoch and to Noah in this chapter. Enoch lived on earth for 365 years. He was Noah's great-grandfather in the seventh generation from Adam. He walked with God in a way that even David, the man after God's own heart, did not. With Elijah, Enoch is one of the two men throughout history who never experienced death. Even Jesus, the Son of God, suffered death. But righteous Enoch, only righteous through his faith in Christ, was able to walk with God and be translated into heaven without death. Noah preached that the world needed saving from God's judgment. With him in the ark were all living creatures who were saved from God's promised judgment. The flood was just one of God's calls for man to be regenerated through faith in God's promises. Now we move into chapter 10 with the most famous of the Old Testament saints. Abraham, whom God addressed as a friend, was found faithful when he obeyed God's words. Thus, through obedience, he went out of his own land and away from his kinsmen and out of his father's house, that leaving a small land and kindred and a small house, he might inherit God's promises. For he said unto him, Go out from your land and from out from your kindred, and you will be blessed. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed in you. And again, when he was parted from Lot, God said to him, Lift up your eyes and behold from the place where you are now to the north and south and east and west. Therefore all the land which you see, I give it to you and to your offspring forever. And I will make your offspring as the sand of the earth. If someone is able to number the sand of the earth, so shall your offspring be numbered. And again he said, God went out with Abraham and said, Number the stars, if you are able to number them. Thus will your offspring be. And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him for righteousness. Because of faith and hospitality, he gave him a son in old age, 
and because of obedience he offered him as a sacrifice to God on one of the mountains which he showed him. Abraham was God's friend, as St. James tells us in chapter 2, verses 21 to 23. He was one of the few who had numerous face-to-face -face visits with God. He was given the gospel promise again and again. It was renewed from Eden and placed into the lineage of Abraham. Jesus is the offspring through which Abraham and all the nations will be blessed. When the material blessings for Abraham and Lot became too great for them to coexist, they separated amicably. After the separation, God again places the promise of offspring being numerous as the stars again upon the fruitlessness of Abraham's loins. Despite his age, despite having great material blessings and servants, God promises that Abraham will have numerous descendants. Isaac is more. Great rejoicing is done, but then Genesis 22 comes along, where it details God's testing of Abraham that he should offer his son Isaac as a human sacrifice. This sacrifice foreshadows Jesus' sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. God stopped Abraham's hand from killing Isaac, but God would not stop his own hand from killing Jesus. The focus of the story is not the sacrifice. The focus of the story is the faith which believes God's promises. This shows up very clearly in that parallel in Hebrews 11, especially verses 17 through 19, where the author to the Hebrews writes, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Abraham believed that God's promises were true and that God's promises came through this son Isaac, whom God had said to offer as a sacrifice. So Abraham said, okay, well, if God said this is going to happen, God tells me to do this, well, obviously he's still going to have the first thing continue on and happen. So even if I kill my son as a... As a sacrifice, I will still get all the blessings and all the descendants that are as numerous as the stars and as the sand. This is the faith that brings Abraham to the forefront of the list of the saints, both in Hebrews 11 and in 1 Clement. Now we flip the other side, chapter 11 of 1 Clement. Because of hospitality and respect, Lot was saved out of Sodom when all the surrounding country was judged by fire and brimstone. The master did this openly, that those who set their hope on him will not be forsaken. But those who swerve aside from obedience he hands over to punishment and torment. For when his wife had gone out with him, she was of a different mind of obedience and not in accord with him. She was placed for a sign. She became a pillar of salt until this day, so that everyone may know. She is assigned to all generations who are double-minded and doubt God's power to judge. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah is detailed in Genesis 19, 12-29. Its destruction is based on Genesis 18, where God appears to Abraham to tell him about Isaac's birth. Abraham then bargains with God to save the cities, five of them in all, if God can find 
ten righteous people in Sodom. As the account unfolds, there were only three, Lot and his two daughters. Lot's wife came out with them, but she turned back to see the destruction. She turns not like Jonah, waiting to cheer on the fire and brimstone. She turns in regret, wishing that her friends had come out with them. She stands as a testimony against returning to the sins of her earlier life. We move into 1 Clement chapter 12. Through faith and hospitality, Rahab the prostitute was saved. When Joshua, son of Nun, sent the spies into Jericho, the king of the land knew that they came to spy out his country, and he sent men to seize them, so that when they were seized, they might be put to death. Therefore Rahab received them hospitably and hid them in the upper chamber among the flax stalks. And when those from the king came near, they said, Those of whom the king ordered entered into you. And she said, The men which you seek entered into me. But immediately they went out and went by the way. And she pointed to the opposite direction. She had said to the men, I surely know that the Lord God has handed this land over to you, for it is filled with fear. Therefore, when it comes to pass that you take it, save me in my father's house. And they said to her, It will be thus, as you have spoken to us. All yours who are under your roof will be saved. If they are found outside the house, they will be destroyed. And moreover, they gave her a sign, that she might hang out of her house a scarlet cord, showing beforehand what had been done. Therefore, through the blood of the Lord, there shall be redemption to all who believe and who hope on the Lord. See, beloved, not only faith, but also prophecy is found in this woman. Unlike Hebrews 11, the Roman presbyters skip Moses. They go directly from Abraham and Lot to Joshua and the conquest of the land promised to Abraham. The first battle in this conquest is the Battle of Jericho. The entire city was destroyed by God, with the exception of Rahab and her family. She is saved because she fears the God of Israel and the reports of his actions as Israel wandered through the wilderness. Rahab is not saved by the action of hanging the scarlet cord out her window. She is saved because Jesus' blood is the scarlet cord that covered her in faith. Prophecy is found in Rahab because she marries Salmon. She gives birth to Boaz, the great-grandfather of King David. The prostitute saved by the scarlet cord of Christ's blood is grafted as a wild olive shoot into Jesus' family tree. The prophecies that come from Rahab are a continuation of the original promise in Eden, given again to Abraham, lived out in the lives of God's people. God's people who are not only ethnically descendants of Abraham, but are part of the blessings of all nations. So now we've made it through the mini portion of First Clement that parallels Hebrews 11. And much like Hebrews 11, where it ends, where we could go on and on and on about what all this has, about all the people in the Old Testament that we can look to. So, First Clement just kind of drops. We get to chapter 13, where the presbyters write, Therefore let us be humble-minded brothers, laying aside all arrogance, conceit, folly, and wrath. Let us do what has been written, the Holy Spirit says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, nor the strong man in his strength, nor the rich in his riches, but let him who boasts, boast in the Lord, who sought him out and made judgment and righteousness. 
Most of all, let us remember the Lord Jesus' words, which he spoke teaching forbearance and long-suffering. For thus he says, Have mercy that you may receive mercy. Forgive that you may be forgiven. As you are kind, kindness will be shown to you. In the measure that you measure, by it you will be measured. With these commandments and these precepts, let us confirm ourselves in his words, being humble-minded. For the holy words go forth, On this I look upon whoever is gentle and quiet and fears my words. After the sections on repentance and the great saints, the Roman presbyters call for humility. Citing Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount, we're reminded of the golden rule. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The simplest and most humble way to live is to treat others how you would like to be treated. Being confirmed by his word and commandments, we can live humble lives. Humility calls for the casting aside of the reliance on the gifts God gives us. God gives us wonderful gifts, wisdom, strength, riches, but we should not rely on our gifts. As many stories from the Bible can attest, those who rely on their gifts have them taken away. Reliance on the gifts and not the giver leads to boasting. And boasting has no place in the Christian's life except for boasting in the Lord. The Roman Presbyters, as we'll see next month, go further into what this means that those who boast boast in the lord but for now call this good for this episode i hope that you have enjoyed it that you have found some nugget of truth something that you would maybe even like more clarification on please uh, contact me wrestling with theology at gmail.com i would be glad to bring that out. Also, you can check out Wrestling with Theology on the new Facebook page. Just go search Wrestling with Theology. Uh, it should be the first thing that pops up. Like it. Comment on it. I would love to have that interaction with you. But until next time, this is Pastor Doug Minton asking for God's richest blessings upon you as you wrestle with theology.